Watch your favorite team play during the season. But now, it's World Series time again, and the eyes of every fan in the nation, from the biggest city to the smallest crossroad town, as well as millions beyond our own borders, are turned toward baseball's annual fall classic, the World Series. The World Series story of 1954 starts on this day of September 21, when a quarter of a million baseball fans welcome the Indians home after the pennant clincher in Detroit. This third Cleveland championship team won 111 games to set an American League record, ending the five-year world championship rule of the New York Yankees. There's a gigantic celebration in New York, too, for the Giants, who have fought their way into their 14th World Series. It's a traditional New York welcome, reserved for visiting celebrities, conquering heroes, and champions in sports. The ticker tape parade winds up at City Hall for the Giants. Here's where baseball's postseason classic will start. The polo grounds, rich in baseball history. For many fans, the preliminaries are as exciting as the game, and more than 50,000 will watch today. This is the first World Series for Al Lopez, manager of the Indians. The giant skipper, Leo DeRocher, played in the 1928 Classic with the Yankees and in 1934 with the Cardinals. And this is his third time in the big series as a manager. Baseball commissioner Ford Frick is on hand long before game time. Fred Flagg, secretary treasurer of the National League, talks with league president Warren Giles. And Will Herridge, president of the American League since 1931, heads up the delegation from his circuit. Bobby Avila of Veracruz, Mexico, hit 341 to win the American League batting championship. The Giants have a league batting king, too. Their Willie Mays from Fairfield, Alabama, took the title with a 345 percentage on the last day of the season. Only twice before have the rival batting champions met in a World Series. Don Mueller's 212 hit were the highest in the majors this year and his 342 average brought him the runner-up spot to Mays in the National League's batting derby. The Giants' number one feminine fan, Lorraine Day, has more than a rooting interest. She gives last-minute encouragement to her husband, Leo DeRocher. Bob Lemon gets a briefing from manager Lopez. Lemon has been the Indians' clutch pitcher this season, winning 23 games. It's the sixth year Bob has won 20 or more games for Cleveland. Sal Magley, Lemon's mound opponent, has carried the Giants over many rough spots. And this is another one for the cool and crafty veteran, winner of 14 games against only six losses. And there go the Giants out on the field. And here's Jack Brickhouse to give you the World Series play-by-play. -play. Al Smith. Young left fielder from Kirkwood, Missouri, leads off for the Indians. Magley's fourth pitch hits Smith. Bobby Avila punches a single to right center. And when Don Mueller fumbles, Smith takes third on the error. Magley gets by Doby and Rosen to hold the runners on first and third. But Vic Wirtz smashes a tremendous triple off the wall in right center, scoring Smith and Avila. 
Dave Philly ends the inning by flying to Don Mueller, and the Indians have a two-to-nothing lead. As the Giants come up in their half of the third, the Indians still lead two-to-nothing. Watson sends a single into right. Dark follows with a base hit over second to put runners on first and third. Mueller forces Dark at second. And Lockman races home with the Giants' first run. Willie Mays walks, and Mueller moves to second. Thompson flashes a clean hit to right, bringing in Mueller, and the Giants have tied the score at two off. There's one out in the Cleveland seventh when Al Smith rounds out to Thompson. It's Thompson again on a brilliant play as he goes to his knees to spare Bobby Avila's low liner. The tense battle continues deadlocked into the Indians' eighth, which Larry Doby starts with a walk. Al Rosen beats out a hit to deep short. Magley's in real trouble now, with Vic Wirtz looking for his fourth straight hit. Manager Leo DeRocher sends coach Fred Fitzsimmons out to the mound to remove Sal Magley. The Giants are taking no chances. Don Little, a left-hander, comes into pitch to the Cleveland Sluggers. Little has helped the Giants all year long in many crucial spots. With the count, one ball and two strikes. Wirtz pounds the next pitch over Willie May's head. But there goes Willie. And he makes a miraculous catch as he stops a step short of the wall. Manager Lopez sends up Hank Vajeski to bat for Dave Philly. DeRocher counters by bringing in his veteran right-handed relief star, Marv Grissom. Lopez withdraws Majeski and substitutes the southpaw swinging Dale Mitchell. Tough spots are nothing new for Grissom, the bullpen ace from Red Bluff, California, who appeared in 56 games during the season. Mitchell walks, and the bases are loaded. Lopez calls on another pinch batter, Dave Pope, for George Strickland. Now Grissom's famous screwball is working, and Pope takes a third strike. It's up to Jim Heakin to get the lead run home, but Monty Irvin backs near the wall for his long drive. thunderous ovation as he returns to the dugout. The Indians haven't scored since the first inning. Now, Vic Worth makes his fourth hit 
A 400-foot double to left center to lead off the 10th. Rudy Regalato runs for Wirtz. Sam Denty, Strickland's replacement at shortstop, moves Regalato to third with a sacrifice bunt. Dave Pope, who has taken Philly's place in right field, is purposely passed. Bill Glenn bats for Jim Hegan and strikes out. Bob Lemon's a good hitter, and now he has a chance to break the tie. But he ends the inning with a liner to Whitey Lockman. When the Giants come up in their half of the tenth, Bill Glenn is at first base, and Mickey Grasso is catching for the Indians. Mueller fans and is tagged out by Grasso. Willie Mays waits off Lemon and draws his second walk. On the first pitch to Thompson, Willie steals second. A thrill of excitement stirs the Polo Grounds crowd, and Leo DeRocher again is a man in motion. Lemon walks Thompson purposely to get at the right-handed hitting Monty Irvin. But Irvin's not coming up. Dusty Rhodes, sub-outfielder, comes off the bench to bat for Irvin. He's been a big man for the Giants this season. 15 pinch hits in 45 trips. Rhodes cuts at the first pitch. And there goes the ball down the right field line. A home run into the seats, and the ball game's over. The Giants win this opener of the 1954 World Series 5-2. And the polo grounds rocks with tumultuous applause. The storybook finish is the biggest moment in the baseball career of Dusty Rhodes. It's a tough one for Bob Lemon to lose, and it's little consolation for Vic Wirtz, whose four hits today tied a series record. Marv Grissom gets his first World Series victory, and Willie Mays gave this crowd of 52,751, an unforgettable sight, the miracle catch on works in the eighth inning. Rain before the second game of the World Series in the Polo Grounds brings out the tarpaulin. Third base coach Herman Franks and first base coach Fred Fitzsimmons are two of manager Leo DeRocher's aides. Hoping for a comeback by the Indians is Hank Greenberg, their general manager. They'll have to solve the southpaw delivery of 24-year-old Johnny Antonelli, who won 21 games this season. Cleveland will counter with early win, strong-armed right-hander from Nokomis, Florida, who scored 23 victories in the American League. The game's underway when Al Smith leads off for the Indians. Smith swings at the first pitch and drives a home run over the left field upper deck. He's the third player in World Series history to open a game with a homer. Antonelli gets the next two Indians, but Al Rosen walks. The young lefty's control again fails him, and Vic Wirtz draws a base on balls. 
Wally Westlake slams a single past Antonelli, and fast fielding by Willie Mays holds Rosen at third base. The Giants are in real trouble. DeRocher comes out to talk to Antonelli. Johnny stays in. And George Strickland pops to Lockman, leaving three and then stranded with only one run scored. Wynn had retired the first six Giants when Davey Williams leads off in the third and goes down on strike. Westrom flies out to Smith. Johnny Antonelli lifts one to Westlake, and Wynn has turned back nine Giants in a row. It's the Giants' fifth. And the Indians are doggedly holding their one to nothing lead when Mays opens by working win for a pass to become New York's first base runner. Hank Thompson singles, and Mays races to third. Dusty Rhodes, yesterday's hero, comes up to bat for Monty Irvin. He drops a single in short center, and Mays scores the tying run. Thompson taking third. On the play at that base, Rhodes goes into second. After Williams fans, Westrom draws an intentional walk, filling the bases. Antonelli's grounder forces Westrom, but Thompson scores, and the Giants lead 2-1. to one. In Cleveland six, with two out, Wynn doubles against the left field wall over Dusty Rhodes' outstretched hand. The inning's over when Smith pops to Lockman. It's Dusty Rhodes leading off in the Giants' seventh. And he does it again. A homer on top of the right field barrier for a 3-1 to one New York lead. This gives Dusty three hits and five runs batted across in three times at bat in the series. Leo DeRocher's son, Chris, is a committee of one to greet Dusty. It's the ninth and the last chance for the Indians. They're still fighting as Al Smith bounces a single off Antonelli's glove. Bobby Avila keeps Cleveland's hopes alive with a sharp single to left, and Smith pulls up at second. Now, the tying runs are on. But Larry Doby goes down swinging for the first out. Rudy Regalado, who has replaced Al Rosen at third, forces Avila at second, and Smith goes to third. Vic Worth is the last hope of the Indians. It's a tense moment.
Work flies out to road, and the Giants win 3 to 1, wrapping up their second straight victory. It's a sweet one for Johnny Antonelli, and his teammates let him know how they feel about it. Antonelli surviving Al Smith's first pitch home run, fanned nine, to make his first World Series game a memorable one. For early win, it's a bitter defeat despite a fine four-hit performance. The Giants' Hank Thompson continued his brilliant fielding. Captain Al Dark's playing has been dependable as always. And the delirious Giant fans are buzzing about the batting deeds of Dusty Rhodes, DeRocher's secret weapon. The series moves to Cleveland for the third game, and Indian fans are hopeful that the tribe will be able to fight its way back into contention. Despite threatening weather, a crowd of more than 70,000 is expected in the massive Cleveland Stadium, where all of baseball's attendance records have been set. Myron Wilson, president of the Cleveland Club, arrives long before game time to help root the Indians to a victory. Charlie Dressen, who managed the Dodgers in the past two World Series, has a different interest in this one. He's now manager of the Washington Senators. Another spectator who has switched allegiance since last year is Roy Haney, who moved from the Yankee front office to the position of the Phillies general manager. Chris Speaker, Cleveland's famed baseball hero and one of the greatest center fielders of all time, talks shop with baseball's newest center field sensation, Willie Mays. Cleveland's two coaches, Mel Harder, who calls the signals at first base, and Tony Cuccinello, who operates at third, are in a pregame huddle. Manager Lopez will pin Cleveland hopes in the third game on Mike Garcia. The burly right-hander, called the Bear, won 19 games during the season as one of Cleveland's big three. Manager DeRocher counters with Ruben Gomez, the slender Puerto Rican who rolled up 17 triumphs for the Giants. There was action in a hurry in the third game. On Garcia's first pitch, Lachman singles to right. With one out, Don Mueller forces Lachman, Avila to Strickland. And when Strickland throws wild trying for a double play, Mueller takes second. Mays gets his first hit of the series with a single to right, and Mueller scores to give the Giants a quick one-to-nothing lead. Dark opens the third inning for the Giants by singling to center on Garcia's first pitch. Mueller also swings at the first pitch and executes a fine hit-and-run play by punching the ball through short. Dark dashes to third on the hit. Mays cuts at the first pitch, bounces to Majeski, and Dark is caught in a rundown. The other runners advance to second and third due to Dark's clever base running. Manager Lopez orders Thompson purposely pass to set up a possible double play for the right-handed hitting Monty Irvin. But for the third time in as many games, Dusty Rhodes bats for Irvin. And again, DeRocher's sensational pinch hitter comes through. He smashes a single to right on the first pitch, scoring Mueller and Mays and sending Thompson to third. 
The varied talents of the Giants are evident again when Williams lays down a perfect squeeze bunt, scoring Thompson, and Williams is safe when Garcia throws high to first. It lengthens the Giants' lead to four to nothing. The Giants' fifth. After one out, Thompson doubles to center, sliding into second safely on a very close play. The dangerous Rhodes is purposely passed. Williams forces Rhodes, and Thompson moves to third. Westrom singles to left, and Thompson scores, and the Giants now have pulled out to a 5-0 lead. With Ray Narleski pitching for Cleveland, the Giants add another run in the sixth to extend their lead to 6-0. But it's a different story in the seventh inning. Dusty Rhodes, who's had four hits in a row in the series, steps to the plate and Narleski fans him on three straight pitches to give the Cleveland crowd a chance to cheer. Williams is thrown out by Strickland. Then Narleski also fans Westrum. In the Cleveland half of the seventh, Wirtz puts the Indians in the scoring column for the first time when he smashes a home run over the fence in right center. Score, Giants six, Cleveland one. Bill Glenn bats for Hegan and leads off the Cleveland eight with a double that skids off Mueller's fingertips. Lopez calls on Dale Mitchell to bat for Narleski, and he grounds out to Lockman, moving Glenn to third. Al Smith grounds to Dark, who throws the ball wildly to first. Smith reaches second, and Glenn scores. Avila walks, and there are two end-ins on base. DeRocher comes out of the dugout for a huddle with Gomez. He decides to take no further chances, and when Gomez admits he is tiring, DeRocher signals for his ace relief man, Hoyt Wilhelm. Wilhelm won 12 games while losing only four in 57 relief appearances during the season. His knuckleball pitching allowed the opposition only three earned runs in his last 45 innings of relief work. Wilhelm is facing the power of the Indian lineup with Dobie and then Wirtz coming up. Doby grounds out to Lockman and both runners advance. Then Wilhelm fans works and the Cleveland threat is over with the Giants leading six to two. Majeski strikes out on Wilhelm's darting knuckler to open the Cleveland ninth. Philly grounds out to Williams on the first pitch. Lopez then calls on Dave Pope to bat for Strickland. It's Cleveland's final hope. Pope also grounds out to Williams on the first pitch, and the Giants win the game 6-2 and take a commanding 3-0 lead in the series. Wilhelm's brilliance has become almost commonplace. 
He needed only 13 pitches to retire the five men he faced. However, there were other heroes in this third straight victory for the Giants. Ruben Gomez pitched superbly in allowing only four hits in his seven and one third innings. Then there also were Don Mueller with his hit and run single and Davey Williams with the squeeze bunt that were classic examples of two of baseball's cleverest maneuvers. However, the decisive hit once again was delivered by Dusty Rhodes. Dusty has already driven in seven of the Giants' 14 runs, and he's been at bat only six times. For the Indians, Vic Wirtz continues to be the most consistent batting star. Three of his six hits so far have gone for extra bases. Even though the Indians trail three to nothing in the series, a crowd of more than 75,000 turn out for the fourth game as Cleveland fans are still hoping for a victory. Warren Giles, president of the National League, is in high spirits over the big lead the Giants have piled up. Will Herridge, the American League president, talks things over with George Medinger, vice president of the Cleveland Club. Carl Hubble, who won 253 games during his pitching career with the Giants, now is director of their minor league club. And here's a man who is in an unusual role. It's Casey Stengel, who managed the Yankees to pennants and world championships the past five years. This time, he's merely a spectator, along with the co-owners of the Yankees, Dan Topping and Del Webb. In a similar position is Walter O'Malley from the Brooklyn Dodgers. Leading the cheering for the Giants in the World Series, as in every game during the season, is Toot Shore, New York restaurateur who stands unchallenged as the number one Giant fan. Shore and owner Horace Stoneham of the Giants happily discuss the impressive work of the New Yorkers who have placed the Indians in a desperate backs-to-the-wall situation. Manager DeRocher will bid for a four-game sweep by sending Don Little, stout-hearted southpaw from Mount Carmel, Illinois, to the mound. Manager Lopez of the Indians, trying desperately to stem the giant tide, comes back with Bob Lemon. After a scoreless first inning, Thompson leads off for the Giants with a walk in the second. Marty Irvin doubles to left center, sending Thompson to third. Williams lines to worst, and when the big first baseman throws wild, trying to double Irvin off second, Thompson scores, and Irvin takes third. Westrum flies to right field. But Wally Westlake drops the ball, and Irvin scores, giving the Giants a 2-0 lead. Manager Lopez argues that Westlake drops the ball in the act of throwing, but umpire Charlie Berry rules it no catch. The Giants added another run in the third to make it three to nothing. Dark opens the Giants' fifth with a pop fly single to left. Mueller singles to right for his third straight hit, sending Dark to third. Mays walks, filling the bases. 
Manager Lopez replaces Lemon with the veteran southpaw, Hal Newhauser. Thompson draws a walk, and Dark is forced across the plate. This brings up Monty Irvin. Irvin single sharply to left, scoring Mueller and May. This leaves runners on first and second. Lopez calls in his young right-hander, Ray Narleski, to try to cool off the flaming giant. Williams moves the runners along with a sacrifice. Westrom lifts the sacrifice fly to Westlake that scores Thompson. Avila then throws out Little to end the inning. But the Giants had paraded four runs home, and they lead the Indians seven to nothing. Don Little disposes of the first two Indians in the fifth inning. Denny is safe on a driver to Lockman when Little fails to touch first base as he covers the bag. Hegan is safe at first on an error by Williams. Hank Majeski pinch hits for Narleski, and he slams a home run over the left field fence. It tallies Denny and Hegan ahead of him, and the score is Giants 7, Indians 3. seventh, Wirtz lines a single to center for his eighth World Series hit. Little retires the next two batters, but Hegan keeps the rally alive with a single to left, and Wirtz stops at second. Rudy Regalado bats for Don Mossy, who had pitched the sixth and seventh inning. Regalado singles to score Wirtz. With the hitter at bat representing the tying run, DeRocher summons his knuckleball specialist, Hoyt Wilhelm. Lopez responds by sending Dave Pope to bat for Al Smith. Pope slaps the ball directly back at Wilhelm to end the inning, and the Giants still have a 7-4 margin. The Indians stir up another threat in the eighth when Avila strikes out. But the third strike is a butterfly knuckler that eludes Westrom, and Avila is safe at first. With one away, Rosen singles to left center, and Avila takes third, while Mays races in front of Irvin and scoops up the ball like an infielder. DeRocher, going all out in an attempt to register a four-game sweep, makes another pitching change. He brings in his number one pitcher, Johnny Antonelli, who had gone the full distance in the second game of the series. Wirtz, one end in the Giants have not been able to stop, is up. But Antonelli gets his man. Wirtz goes down swinging. Westlake, the next hitter, is called out on strike for the third out. And the Giant lead remains seven to four. With the series victory now within the grasp of the Giants, it's up to Antonelli to hold the Indians in the last half of the ninth. DeRocher gives catcher Westrom some final instructions. 
There's a ripple of excitement in the stands when Dante opens with a walk. But Antonelli quickly regains control and Hegan bows out to Luckman. Dave Philly bats for Mike Garcia and strikes out. Lopez sends up another pinch hitter, Dale Mitchell. And he fouls to Thompson to give the Giants the game seven to four and the series by a stunning four game sweep. In smothering any ideas of a late Indian uprising, Antonelli fanned three of the last six batters and didn't allow a ball to be hit out of the infield. It's a triumphant moment for Horace Stoneham, president of these world champions of 1954. And it's a crowning achievement to Antonelli's greatest big league season. In the clubhouse, Bedlam breaks loose as television crews, photographers, and newspapermen endeavor to record the scene. The overall spirit, aggressiveness, and resourcefulness of the team, plus the superb leadership of Leo DeRocher, brought the world championship to the New York Giants. Cleveland's fans solemnly leave the stadium. But there's always another tomorrow for baseball's baseball. The Giants, who were in a hurry to end this series, keep up their speed model, landing at New York's LaGuardia Field only a few hours after their spectacular play. The Giants came from fifth place in 1953 to the pennant and world championship in one year. So ends another World Series, the 51st. And we'll be back again next year for the always thrilling story and pageantry which only the World Series can provide.